at some point they called me a piece of trash and that my team was just carrying me. Okay, so I died once at this point, so I'm not exactly certain what this person was talking about. Um, but I just responded and I said, trash is meant to be carried, otherwise you're littering. <laughs> Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 111 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm trying to figure out what that is and if that was a binary number and I converted it. To, you know, a decimal one. I'm Sam, and I just thought, yes, yes, yes. Because yep. that's what that is in binary. That's That works, too. That's right. <laughs> uh, it's episode 111, which, contrary to popular belief, is not a prime number. It's divisible by 37. Really? And three. Wow. I know. Hopefully, hopefully, it's divisible by two things, because otherwise that would be real weird. If it was, It's only divisible by one number. Yep. It's <laughs> one of the weirdest non-prime numbers. <laughs> also, today is August 14th, 2017. Before we get started, we have a warning. Uh, anything can happen on this show, and there will definitely be swearing. So if you are a baby, no way. stop listening to podcasts. Actually, if you're a baby, you don't understand words, so it's also fine. If you are a baby, it's fine. If you're a toddler, we're getting into murky There's territory. kind of an uncanny valley of you know right. youngness and profanity here. Especially because you're basically a sociopath when you're a toddler. So if yeah. you learn how to swear, you're just going to be swearing all you're over the You're not going to be doing it right. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to be doing it right. You're going to be doing it in the most vulgar, violent way possible. Mm-hmm. Right. Psycho. So you need, you, need, uh, you need the kind of joyful, enthusiastic swearing that's used for emphasis mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Not, not the aggressive kind mm-hmm. of swearing, right? And of course, children, they can't distinguish, and this is why we have to insulate them from mm-hmm. profanity. Mm-hmm. So I put them in those baby cages. Yeah. You, know? you put them in those baby cages so they can't swear. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> so we get some news this week. Uh, first things first, we have a name for our next game. Are you ready? Drum roll. And we're not going to tell. We're not going to tell anybody. Uh, um, but <laughs> it, did, it did actually clear, though, finally, after going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. This, it took three rounds yeah. of name dis, name chooses. Yeah. So we got one. We're pretty excited about it. And we'll be kind of getting stuff ready for, I guess, announcing it, which is the first mm-hmm. step before we even show off what it is that we're doing. So that'll be sort of the next thing to look forward to coming down the pipe, hopefully the next I don't know, couple weeks. Just a couple yet. weeks, a couple years, months. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seven yeah. years. Could be a couple lifetimes. Half-Life 3, you know? Yep. Yeah. One of those situations. Wait, yeah, I, I'll, thought I'll we said, I thought we said we weren't going to say what the name is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we looked around. Turns out there's no games with the name Half-Life 3 mm-hmm. uh, out there. So yeah. no trademark problems. We're good. But it's one over two. L-Y-F-E. Yeah. It's the, it's the fraction half. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. An L-Y-F-E. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then spelled out the word yes. three. So, but with the, but with the number three is the first letter of the right, of and the then word. the e's in the word are also threes, right? Yeah. Sort of leet speak kind of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, but I, I, I'm, I do want to leave one clue or two clues actually, so that somebody could see if they could figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So the clue is: if you search for this, it's it's two words. But if you search for it as one word, you only get seven results in Google. Mm. Yeah. If you search for it as one word, you get one hundred forty thousand. So with that, I think wait, you, you mean as, as two, two words. words? That's two words. Sorry. Yeah, as two words, you get one hundred forty thousand. So if you if you could find some pair of words that do that, <laughs> then maybe but, I mean I don't know how many other ones also do that, so I can't really guarantee. So it's a pair one. of words that if if you put a if you put a space between them, mm-hmm. it's one hundred forty thousand results, and if you put them together, it's only seven. Correct. So it's two words that. Literally nobody would ever conceive of putting together. Except for seven people. But we're putting... But but those seven results were all randomly generated text garbage from robots. Wait, did we put a space between things? 
I don't know if we have a space or not. We haven't actually settled on that for sure. So. I mean, for a domain, it doesn't matter. So we're good at that. I think, I don't oh, know. We'll, we'll figure it out. Oh, we know crap. what the words are, though. <laughs> we have some more work to do, obviously. <laughs> All right. Uh, also, we spent uh, Sunday morning doing a talk jam. Yeah. We, have, we put together, we each put together a few uh, talks to submit to GDC. GDC. And uh, last year, Sam gave, or this year, I guess, Sam gave two talks. Yeah. Last GDC. It's like Lifetime ago, uh, <laughs> Sam gave two talks at GDC and they were both very highly rated. I mm-hmm. think you had the highest rated, highest rated business talk, business talk and the highest rated indie summit. Talk. Are they both freely available on the Weber nets? Uh, the, the business one is still in the vault. Ah. And then the, uh, it's still in prison. Yeah. Yeah. So if, you, so if you want to see what you're in for, uh, you can go to the GDC YouTube channel and you can mm-hmm. look up Sam's Crashlands postmortem talk. So hopefully we get to do more of that stuff. Should we talk about what? Kinds of things we submitted. Sure, yeah. why not? One thing we should talk about our approach first, which is that the first couple of years we did this, uh, mm-hmm. they just won't pay attention to you, right? So and we had crafted these really, you did like a really intense job putting together one proposal. And then the way we got in last year, I think, was beyond actually finally having a successful game that people cared about, which that was probably, probably, probably the requirement, <laughs> um, was actually that we sent in uh, 11 different talk submissions. Mm-hmm. And so this year we're like, okay, we're we're, pre- we're pretty sure that I should be able to get in with something since I got the talk top rated talk in two different tracks. Mm-hmm. Should seem sufficient. Seems like maybe they'll give me another chance, and maybe that that review score will spill over onto the rest. That's of us exactly right. right. So, we get a little sort of a sort of like a backsplash. Yeah. So a halo effect. We submitted. Yeah. Uh, we're going to submit. I think nine of them, and then we'll submit some of them twice, depending on the track. So no, we're submitting seven. seven. Seven? Okay. Yeah. And some of them twice. So yeah. some of them will be in the submitted to the main conference stuff and then some of them to the indie summit as well. So 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 rapid fire, what is what are your talk submissions about? Uh first one is called Time Mancy and it's advanced time uh, production management and time techniques. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the Time Mancy. The second one it's Time Mancy is uh, <laughs> growing up from co founding to uh co managing. A independent studio, which is basically about all of the dangers where after you have a little bit of success, you're in this weird sort of death valley where you can easily basically explode your studio. Yeah, well, so, in that process of going from the only people who are in the company, the people who also own and founded the company mm-hmm. to where you have employees, which is now an enormous cultural. Yep. Or supposed anyway, enormous cultural. All sorts of weird stuff. Yeah. And then what was the third one? Uh, the third one was, I don't know, something about, <laughs> it was something real good though. It, it was super really good. good. You know, I think it was my favorite one. Isn't that great? How we, can, like, <laughs> we spent an entire morning working on these and the next day we're like, what? I spent an entire day on mine. Kinda like that. It's kind of like that waking up after a night of partying. What did I do? What did I do? What was it? All right. You think about that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> my, <laughs> me. so my two. <laughs> Christ, I spent an hour on it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just such a matter of course uh, oh, uh, yeah so my my two talks uh one is sort of a it's a it's called common pitfalls when starting an independent studio so there's a it's difficult for people to make a transition from being a hobbyist to actually forming a company forming a team and then trying to do you know figure out how to manage their time and their projects and stuff uh and know how to protect themselves legally and so financially. So yours is sort of like the first piece. It's like, like the first piece. Like if you're going to make that transition from being just some person to, to being, being a studio. studio. And then what yeah. does that like mean? Like what are all the ways that people tend to fuck that up? Right. And then how do you not do those things? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my other talk is called Design by Chaos, which is about the design technique that we use in-house where we don't use uh, game design documents ever. 
And we basically allowed the games to just design themselves through a very specific iterative process that we use, mm-hmm. uh, which we did, you know, it works for like an eight hour game, a two day game, two year, three game. month game, two year game. It works for everything, but it probably doesn't work for large teams. Right. It takes a, yeah. like a small, flexible team to, to do it. So I'm going to mm-hmm. be giving a talk about just that approach. Cool. What you then? Uh, I got a talk on automate everything. Make one person worth a jillion other people. Yeah. I'm probably going to con- condense that. Talk <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the idea there, and, and it was actually kind of interesting to talk about it because we had a quick sort of argument about the titling when we were talking about it because about the question of, well, it's not really about automation. It's about, you know, process improvement. And then Seth pointed out, actually automation is just anytime you offload something you're doing to a machine. Right. Right. It doesn't matter. But, I, but even further, you can, you can take that as far as you want to actually say, anytime you cannot think about a thing because something else handles that for you, which means it's even a paper checklist, even it's, a paper checklist does automation that. is just taking something that was manual and making it not manual. But it's not even about the manual part. It's about how much thinking has to, yeah. how much thinking and right. time has to go into right. it. So any reduction in thinking and thinking and in the time required to do a thing gives you more time to, to be an expert. Because like, if, if a robot can do it, then a robot should do it a piece of paper, right? Mm-hmm. And you should go back to being a good artist or being a programmer. Doing right? doing human things doing that human robots can't things. do yet. Yeah, paper was the OG robot, I guess. That's right. Know? It's the OG robot. OG so, robot. Uh, I got an OG <laughs> robot pad right here. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, so this talk uh, is sort of meant to do two things. One is is to sort of make an argument that automation is awesome and you should do it and, it, and that it actually is accessible because there's a whole spectrum of automation mm-hmm. of things. Uh, and the other one is then to give examples uh, of those things that people can kind of use, you know, right away. So simple stuff like even, you know, paper-based or email-based kinds of things. Cool. All the way up to the kind of, you know, full-fledged robot, robomancy that that we do here uh, to make an argument why it might be worth investing in this in a real way for your team, you know, to, to add people or, or set aside time for your programmers to to build custom tools for your studio. So I'm doing that talk. And then the other one is how not to be dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, statistical reasoning in game in the business of games. And notice it's not how to be smart. And it's Correct. also not how to not be dumb. Right. It's this is just a specific dumb. way not to be dumb. Which is a, which is a play. <laughs> it's a play off of the book, how not to be wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, which is a book about, you know, mathematical and statistical reasoning. Um, it's going to follow a lot of the same kinds of ideas, but, but the gist there is, we're just confronted with bullshit all the time. Most of us don't even know it. And most of us are guilty of also purveying it. Um, and as a consequence, we're all making bad decisions all the time. And so this is basically, but most people also are scared of statistics because it's poorly taught um, if it's taught at all. And so, so this is kind of an attempt to give people just enough, you know, just, just enough of a foundation an intuitive foundation in statistical reasoning that they can actually apply it right away. It's like they can just leave and now all of a sudden see the things that are tricking them all the time. Uh, with the hope that, and then with a bunch of examples, you know, taken from our studio, taken from stuff we've seen in the press and stuff, uh, so that people can get a sense of how to apply that to making business decisions or game design decisions or whatever. Cool. Yeah. yeah. It's important Seems to like know. a good slate of talks. Yeah, I, w- so, I would listen so to I'd them. go to all six of these and then the seventh one that we don't <laughs> mystery know. One? Mystery one? Wait, hold on. I might actually have, I might actually have the doc open. It somewhere. Uh, let's see. We got automate everything. How not to be dumb. Time Mancy. Uh, no, I don't know. You don't have that? It. <laughs> it apparently it does not exist. I know it's in there. I just can't see it. So Weird. I don't know what you, did you, did it, we, did it ever exist? 
What if it's it, there? It's what if we all had there. one of those uh, collective hallucinations <laughs> that we believed? We all believed at the same time. Well, I somehow spent an hour writing it. <laughs> it's it's somewhere. All right. It's well, very, very baffling. Just keep just keep mulling that over. Uh, so it. We have it. Just mull it. Yeah, so now we're just curious to see then what what of these actually get accepted, right? Um, if because it's it's now anywhere between zero and eighteen talks we have to give. Mm, yeah. So it's be a lot. Yeah. So yeah, but what we also is so one another news item from last week is that we speaking of GDC and sort of what the point is for us is that we finally managed to import all of our contacts into one usable database. Yep. Using okay. a tool. That everybody who does any sort of spreadsheet work, where you, you, if you've ever been like, I wish this spreadsheet was better. I wish this spreadsheet was a database. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. There's this thing called Airtable that we found. Um, and I was on a podcast a few weeks ago, and uh, one of the producers of the podcast, who's also one of the guys who shot a lot of the footage for the documentary, actually, uh, he he was showing me kind of how his how their workflow goes, and he pulls up this thing and i've been sort of in this uh essentially this contact management hell trying to figure out how to i think you mean existential crisis yeah one of those we're trying to figure out how to take all of the contacts that we've ever had from the studio because we know there's literally thousands of them and put them into a thing such so that we can get at that them. i can get at them in an intelligent way so if i say hey i have this piece of news that i want to send out or hey i had this idea who should i contact that i could consult this this oracle we, where say, you could say, for example, like, I want to send this news to any people who are PC, who are in the PC games area in the press who have covered Crashlands. Right. You want and, to be able to just like pull that list of people up. Yeah. And a lot of marketers use, you just use a list like to, to do all your marketing. So that's the, the thing that always cracks me up. People are like, oh, I can't do it. It's like literally all you do is you build a spreadsheet and email people to death. So that's the extent of it. So uh, finally, we use Airtable. And last week uh, was a cumulative 42 hours. This is a funny thing talking about automation um, because we couldn't, there was no way to automate this particular thing. It's kind of like anytime we'd go to an event like uh, PAX or GDC or whatever, we would have another new spreadsheet Mm -hmm. where we would, at the end of each day, we'd take all the business cards and just dunk all those names into a spreadsheet. Try to jot down some notes about people, you know, all that stuff. So we compiled, it was seven different spreadsheets into this one database. So it's, it was a 1200 contacts total. And we trimmed a lot out. Trimmed a lot out and then <laughs> added added notes and sort of like, you know, where our relationship is with them. Uh, added some some different some different categories for other stuff, like if they've covered Crashlands before and, and what links like, actually linked out to those things. So we now have this really rich database. Um, well, it's also we, cool because one of the things in particular is that it's, when there are that many people, no matter how much you like somebody, you can't remember them in a yeah, pool of a absolutely. thousand people. And so, so having a way to kind of categorize based on how warm the relationship is, uh, is was is really useful because now we actually have a long list of people who in the database it says it would be really great to know this person but also we don't have a relationship but also with we're them. just an acquaintance with them yeah or whatever um, so we know you know we're, we're to start focusing our our right. uh, efforts yeah so so if if you're doing any sort of marketing stuff or just just yeah if you've been working with a spreadsheet and you're like i wish this was better uh go check out Airtable and see if it's the thing for you it's definitely helped us a bunch and then we found another one from that same uh that same guy which was uh called process street so this goes back to an idea we had, I think, almost a year ago where we were as we were bringing people on and dealing with the problems of scaling a studio, we 
realize that there's so many things that if we could just have essentially a checklist that we could instantiate where you had this sort of mother checklist and then you said, I would like to do this. And it would actually give you a checklist you could work through. So it's kind of like you have a checklist template. Yes. Yeah. And then you build an instance of it and then you work through the instance and, and then that sort of gets archived and you put notes on it, whatever. Which you can't do with normal. So, some, so we use Todoist or I use Todoist mm-hmm. a lot, which is a to-do list management tool. Problem is once you check a thing off, it's gone, it, it's gone now because you because you did it, right? You can't just like make a new duplicate of that list. Right. So there's no template for like, oh, I'm going to do laundry on Sunday. Let me put that series of tasks in my thing. Yeah, right. It's too it. hard to remember how to do laundry. Yeah, well, it's a simple so. example. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when you get something complex, like, uh, for example. But like what Sure has to do when he has to deploy an update, for example, right. to Crashlands. Or what Monique has to do every week to put the podcast up. Right. Right. There's a, yeah. there's a huge series of steps to go through. And so it's really, we, we've built these checklists in basically Google Docs. And these things will be called notebooks just internally. Um but with Process Street, now we're sort of experimenting with it to see if it's the right, essentially the right tool for us. And the first one is with this, uh, with the podcast, actually. So basically what you do is you, you outline a template and then you can instantiate that checklist, work through it, make notes on it, tag other people in it, um, which, and then that sort of gets saved to an archive. So you can be like, oh, I got, you know, I did the podcast, uh, I did the podcast sheet like three weeks ago and there's like a weird thing that happened. I'm going to go look at that and see what that note yeah. was. So the idea, yeah. And, and I think this comes back to the automation mm-hmm. thing where it's, it's, it's not like, as Adam said, it's not just about doing things by hand. It's also about thinking about things. Right. And if every time you go through a particular process, if it's basically the same every time, uh, you don't want to have to think about every step and do every step at yeah. the very least. So you could stop thinking about every step. Right. Yeah. It becomes <laughs> very costly if you yeah. have to do both. Right. So pr- it's process.st. Yeah. Not. Yeah. So it's called process street, but that's. So I want to, I want to hear from our, our listeners. If you guys use this stuff over the next week, uh, just. Throw a, throw a thing in the podcast dot yeah. dot net thing and tell us how it went for you because it's been pretty remarkable yeah. this past week. Very getting, useful tools. Getting these tools up and running. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So let's uh, let's move on to some questions. Yeah. These, these questions come from our listeners at podcast.bscotch.net. Uh, so if you want to get your question on a future episode, get down in there and throw some text in the box and then hit submit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, Otherwise, that's, that's, that's kind of the... And if you have a hard time with that, you can go to Process Street <laughs> and set up a checklist. Oh, yeah. Actually, you know, it's really interesting about that point. Nobody in the world would like go to submit something, you know, and then forget to submit. So they just didn't and know that they didn't. And then send us an email and be like, hey, can you recover like this My message? Question, this right. I typed it. I, I typed it, but I didn't actually submit it. But when it comes to our cloud saving system, right. <laughs> people put it, they make a save on their device. They throw their device in the toilet yeah. and then they're like, can you recover and my, they're like, they're like, I didn't sync this. You know how I never sent that to your server yeah. and stuff. Can you still recover? Can you get that for me? <laughs> but I, I just, I just suddenly just, realized how too many layers of abstraction. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know. Right. Yeah. It's so. also understandable. I think that that's, yeah, that that's feels different and is confusing. Yeah. <laughs> the fact but, that it's not, it different, actually is the same thing. Yeah, it's under the, the same hood. thing. All right, so first question comes from Dr. Jonas, who says... Dr. what? Dr. Jonas. What's he a doctor of? We'll find out. Doctor of, he's a doctor of Jonas. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, you guys... This is a degree program, not a not a person. That right. Is a I think it's for fandom about the Jonas Brothers, the musicians. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. This person's been studying the Jonas, Jonas Brothers PhD. for years, mm-hmm. uh, gone through 15 years of school. Got one of those creepy maps on the wall with, like, you know, cut out pictures mm-hmm. and yep. strings attached <laughs> to different points. <laughs> It's good. And then just a big like red scribble says, what does it all mean? It's just <laughs> circled 30 times. Uh, all right. So Dr. Jonas says, you guys seem to have a great philosophy on life and work ethic. In right. my line of work, IT, I often struggle with learning how to resolve large, new, 
insurmountable problems, which yeah. I have little to no understanding of. Mm-hmm. Sounds familiar. How do you tackle these problems? It's every day. So I think there's one point, <laughs> important point here, which is uh, that he just just kind of just squeezed in the word insurmountable mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. Like you just gave, you gave up, buddy. That's a, that's a surmount it. <laughs> surmount it. Yeah. Cause like, okay, it's a large, it's a new problem. It's complex. He could have mm-hmm. said complex, but he chose to say insurmountable, mm-hmm. which is a word that means this cannot be solved. Well, well no, it means it cannot be surmounted. Surmounted. Sorry. Yeah. So I think for starters, get that word out of your vocab. Cause I mean, it's, and to be fair, it doesn't even make sense as a word. Cause you can't even surmount something. <laughs> can you wait? Can you surmount? You probably something? can. I, guess you just never I can it. surmount things. How about you? <laughs> well, I think I think it's kind of uh, it's it's kind of like the word existent, right? So you have non-existent, which is an important thing to note about something, right? Uh-huh. Uh, something being existent is redundant because it has to exist, mm-hmm. right? So it's a little less notable. So something being surmountable. Mm-hmm. means it's just a it's just a thing you can do so you don't even need to <laughs> use that it. word yeah. so yeah i think that's right the best move is just to not have that word so don't even worry about that well yeah. so how do you so how do we go about if we when we're facing down a huge task breaking that breaking that bad boy down so for it? starters hmm. there is no such thing as a huge task correct mm-hmm. tasks are small things um which is what you need to always be thinking about so don't worry about solving the big problem. So let's here, let's let's use the example from marketing, the marketing problem from last week. So we know we've had this problem with the studio and we know that sort of the, the next big leap for us is going to be not necessarily from from making a game that's even more incredible than something like Crashlands, so we're intending to do that, but but actually from getting much better at the entire marketing and business side of things to make whatever that game is just more successful by that virtue. So we have this huge seemingly insurmountable problem, which is we need more uh, marketing power and more marketing capability. What does that even mean? So that's the first, that was the first question. Insurmountable problem. Exactly. So what does that even mean? And for us, it meant uh, essentially creating, creating a list of, of news beats. So we actually have one coming out tomorrow, which I guess will be yesterday for the podcast people. Whoa. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, we have recording day before, on we have day one after tomorrow. <laughs> one coming out yesterday. So what we did is we actually, we sat down and we said, okay, we need to, we essentially need to, by way of doing, build up whatever this marketing engine is. We want an engine that if we said, hey, we have a news item about X, you, you put you it in there. It out. Yeah, you put it in the marketing engine. And, and the market happens. Marketing it's happens. Sort of like a, like a wood chipper. Like we just take yep. a log of marketing, throw it in there, mm-hmm. and it just sprays all over the place. Blood sprays everywhere. mulch onto everyone's yeah. gardens. <laughs> also <Right>. blood. <laughs> and blood for I some reason. I was thinking of the Fargo, you know. It's very cardiovascular log. Thing. You know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so. Bloody log. So what we did is we said, okay, that we need this engine in place. So what does that mean? So we don't even, we didn't even know. So what we said was, here's. Here's four news beats that we can think of, um, and we'll just take we'll take one of them, which is actually very small, and we'll just do what we do with that and see what. And then and then once we finish, sort of creating a marketing plan for it and uh, and thinking through what that particular one needs, take a step back and say, how can we template this process? So in other words, how can we turn this instance into an engine? Yep. What um, worked, what didn't? How can we take what worked and automate right. it? And the best part was, so I wrote I wrote these pitches for this thing, and then uh, did a bunch of reading and created a template based on all the work that I did to create those pitches. And then after I created the template, I went back and read my pitches and was like, "These are terrible," according to my template that I just made. <laughs> like in other words, <laughs> yeah, I did the activity. Iterative back. cyclical process. It's exactly. iterative. Yeah. So the first step in solving any problem is, I think we talked about this last week a little bit too, is is to just do a thing. Yeah. So that you have some frame of reference for. 
whether or not that seemed to get you closer and you can start reflecting on it. Right. And then that gives you more information mm-hmm. about well, how to move to, forward. Right. It's to recognize that you cannot have the context to understand a problem until you already understand the problem. And so that shouldn't be the goal. The goal is to identify pieces of the problem. Just start going. And mm-hmm. just, and then just tackle one. Yeah. Right. So, and I will say though, like having, having a really good, really good organizational system, I think is, is one of the, the key things that if you don't have it, then no, no amount of you hopping in and doing things is ever going to be worthwhile because. But also having lots of flexibility in that system. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for example, if you say you're just like, okay, I'm not, I have a huge IT problem. I want to get, I don't know. I want to get all the information technology. I want to get all the information technology. (laughs) I want to do it good. So if it's the case that you start doing stuff, but you don't like essentially note what you're doing or take a step back after you've done that thing and figure out how that might apply on a broader scale, then you're basically just thrashing around. So it's not just, it's not just enough to do. You then need to step back and evaluate the doing and make sure you keep notes. So I want to talk about how this relates to our design by chaos concept. Um, so in, in our games, we don't ever build a huge game. Mm -hmm. Like we end up with huge games, but we don't just sit down and go, all right, we are making crash lands now. And then just work toward that. It's always the tiny, tiny steps of things that we work on. And it's, it's purely an iterative process where basically it's like a three-step thing. Um, one is we just go, what would be the next kind of cool little thing to be able to do in this game? So maybe it's taming a creature Maybe it's building a helmet, you know, whatever. Um, and then we only solve just that little problem. So develop a new game system to make that thing work. And then we start actually putting content in. So if we just designed like the helmet system, we'll do that. And then Sam will put together content so we can put a couple helmets in the game. Um, and then that introduces a new set of problems. Oh shit, we have helmets, but we actually can't wear them yet. Right. So I forgot about that. Right. So new game system. All right. Solve that problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we can wear them, but there's no point. Okay. Well, let's put some stats on them or something. Right. Mm-hmm. So we do that. Um, and then as we, as we develop each of these new things, uh, they reveal new problems mm-hmm. and pretty soon we, we've solved most of the problems. And then we do a push, a content push where we say like, okay, we feel like the helmet idea is in a good spot. Let's make five new helmets. And so we just crank those things out. Um, and then we put them all in and then we start to find new problems. Like at a certain point, adding all this stuff breaks everything. Um, cause all of our assumptions were built, you know, built around stuff that we didn't understand. Yeah. Well, I think it's an interesting point with, with crash in particular, because, um, you know, a lot of people really like the story of the whole thing. And I think it's, it's comical to understand that the reason that there's a story in the game is because it's boring to get five helmets in a row for no via reason. the same means <laughs> for no reason. Yep. So the reason the story exists is actually because of all the content that we had put in long before we had intended to do any sort of story. In fact, we were trying not to do that. That was yeah. not our goal. That was not decided. part of the plan. It just became required, unfortunately, yeah. um, in terms of how much work it took. So, so yeah, I think you, you push you push forward and, and do some stuff to sort of, you know, figure out the contours of the problem and then back up, note take, see what else would be what's been exposed and see how to tackle that next thing. Always with that end goal in mind of whatever, you know, solving whatever your problem is, because as Seth was saying, the the reality is that any one of these goals or any one of these quote unquote problems is actually a, a mountain of tiny, tiny tasks for you to do. So, so they're, that's why they, they're actually surmountable because you're not doing that thing. You're just doing a bunch of little stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's, all of a sudden you're going to step back one day after doing a little tiny task. You're like, Oh shit, that was the last one. <laughs> I guess it's all done. It's done. Yeah. Right. 
But or just, it's just, or it's that. never done. Just every once in a while, you come back to it and make it a little better. Yeah, yeah. nothing's yeah. ever done. You just, yeah. you just, you just learn new stuff over you just, time, or you just walk away from it at some yep. point. Usually, you walk away yeah. from it at some point. Uh, all right. The next question comes from Ram Ram Rampandapus. There's like a platypus panda ram, perhaps Ooh. some kind of a combination mm-hmm. uh, in competitive games such as Overwatch, Rocket League, etc. I've noticed that people fixate on winning. I've also noticed that there are a lot of angry people in these communities. Mm. Do you think there's any correlation here? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you're if you're playing just to have fun, so this is something I noticed playing uh, playing. PUBG. I played PUBG this oh, weekend. Oh, you did? Yeah. Um, oh, you got on the pop. You got on the bandwagon. Huh? I, I jumped on. Yeah. So when I was <laughs> when I was over at my uh, my annual lake trip last weekend, all my buddies there were were talking about playing PUBG, and they're like, "You got to play with us. You got to play with us." And I'm like, "Okay, I will." So I did. It was. It definitely feels pretty early access. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's pretty pretty clunky, but it was it was fun. Uh, but definitely, it was the case that as I was playing with my friends. Uh, one in particular was very anxious, like mm. just because like it got we actually won somehow. Mm. Like I didn't, I literally killed nobody. I did, I just got shot a whole bunch of times. I accidentally hit one of our people with a with a car, <laughs> <laughs> disabled. <laughs> so like I, I only was a burden to my team, but we won anyways. But as it, as the map gets more and more constrained, um, uh, our like my team was getting more and more sort of anxious and and mm. nervous and whatever. Mm. And I felt nothing actually, because <laughs> uh, like for me, I was just I was just enjoying the experience. Mm. Um, and so whether we whether I got shot immediately, whether I was hitting my teammate with a car, or whether it was coming down to just me and my teammates versus the last couple of other people, it's all just part of the story. It's all just having a good time with some buddies, you know. And whether we won or lost, uh, it, it actually probably wouldn't have affected my my experience of the game just mm. whatsoever. Interesting. Right. So I do think it's the case that if you fixate on winning or losing, you are going to have those ups, those really strong emotional yep. ups and downs yeah, yeah. where just, the game is stressful or anxiety inducing yeah. or rage inducing. Yeah. This happened for me on, uh, on Saturday. So I played league of legends with, with two of my friends and haven't played for, I don't know, four months or so. So very rusty. Uh, and that game changes constantly. So I had to like, I just read a bunch of stuff like while the screen was loading about sort of new changes. And then there's a new character I was playing against, but no idea what he did. So I was like, what the hell does this guy do? And they're like, oh, he can run through walls. And I was like, that's not fair. In the slightest. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it's not even his ultimate. He just like, he gets to just like run on top of walls. He just gets to. And I was like, okay. So that was the only information I had. And then I was, I was squaring off against someone. Um, in our first match, we just like completely crushed the other team and it was hysterical. And all three of us are just having a great time. Like we're not, we assumed that we were just going to get completely demolished. And so for whatever reason, we were just sort of loose and having a great time. Second game, uh, we go into the same approach. We're all just kind of giggling about what just happened. And a person on the other team who I was sort of squared off against, that other person started getting very, very angry, like probably like 10 minutes in to the point where, uh, at some point, at some point they called me. They were like, they called me a piece of trash and that my team was just carrying me. Okay. So I died once at this point. So I'm not exactly certain what this person was talking about. Um, but I just responded and I said, trash is meant to be carried. Otherwise you're littering. <laughs> and, and this was the thing that's like, this like tipped this person. They went from being like, just really angry to like full bore <laughs> rage. And of course I'm being carried. But the I'm best trash. part was, the best part was as the game got further on and this person got more and more enraged it got and worse. they got worse and worse and worse. And so it started getting to a point where 
whenever uh, whenever he and I would square off, I would just like just destroy him within a couple seconds. And then at one point, one of my buddies was like, "How does it feel getting murdered by sentient trash?" <laughs> You know what's a really like, fun oh thing to do God. is if somebody's really mad like that to like, especially in a PvP game, whenever they come after you, just run, just yeah. run away and don't ever let them actually like Touch you. fight you yeah, get the rage out. <laughs> because they, well, because like they'll oh, just get man. even more mad and then they just do worse and worse and worse because they really want to like somebody to beat up on. Right. And if you just run away the whole time, <laughs> they just get really <laughs> man, it was, it was really interesting though. Cause like we, we honestly just had a great time because yeah. it's me and my two buddies playing so we, we weren't playing with you know random people on our team which always helps um just like kind of chatting and doing goofy stuff and communicating really well and just having a great time and then to see this just because like they were they were doing just fine for that first bit of the game until that person started just losing their shit like they probably would have been fine but instead they sort of my I mean, I guess is they sort of crumbled internally their entire team did because yeah well, let me, well, here's another here's another interesting point. This is something I noticed in Rocket League is real bad about this mm. is if you play public games, unranked games, um, as soon as somebody joins the match, if they notice that their team is losing, they just leave immediately and they keep hopping from game to game right. until they end up on a team that's winning. And uh, if you think about what this really means in terms of human psychology is like think about in your competitive gaming experiences, the most memorable most awesome th times you've had were not when you just like started a game, started winning, kept winning and when won. won. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's always when it's you, hard the whole it's time. hard as shit. You're barely squeezing by mm -hmm. and like, you're just and getting the last moment. You're getting trounced at yeah. the last minute. You just like push through and yeah. win. Right. It's so like, yeah, you know, it's fun to win, but it's fun to win dramatically. It's fun to right? strive is actually what's fun. Yeah. And That's so, so playing against people who you're always just beating up on, uh, it's just a, it's just like an endless series of boring, well, it's, unmemorable disappointments. It's like applying cheats to a game. Yeah, yeah. you know, it just like it sounds out. awesome, to do, and then you do it, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is this I'm, is pretty I'm boring. Gonna play, <laughs> I'm gonna play something else now. Yeah. I, I'm invincible. I have infinite ammo. I can fly. I'm basically Superman. Although then you, you know. probably say this game sucks and it's boring, and then you go play. Something. Then you yeah. go give it one star after. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think it's the case because because all of the all of the ways that all the metrics are tracked for these game have to do with your your the outcome it's always about winning right so that's that's yep. what determines your rank that what determines literally everything so even in in league of legends for example they've had support characters since the beginning who can provide shields and heals they they track healing but they never ever tracked how much damage you as a support character like absorbed that was supposed to be hitting other players yep. up until I think they just added it like a couple months ago. And mm -hmm. this is insane. And like the support characters in particular have always had a really weird role because they're not, they don't, they literally don't do anything as far as the objectives are concerned. Like yep. They don't blow up towers. They don't kill people. Yep. They just help everybody blow up towers and kill people. And so as a result, they're just always at the bottom of the scoreboard. Yeah. yeah. And it, but it's, it's so weird because the team still wins. It's clearly yeah. so obvious that they're not taking it into account the, like the metric that is actually important here, mm -hmm. which is some sort of metric of teamwork. Because if it was the case, for example, like how crazy would it be if it's the case that you could lose a game, but go up in rank because of some aspect of your teamwork, mm -hmm. right? Where they were like, oh, wow, you guys crushed it as a, as a team, even though you lost. If that was the thing that they were, that they determined rank with, then yeah. you wouldn't, I don't think you would have as much of this. Or, or even if it just played into ranking. Well, so. You also yeah. have an interesting thing. So I, I used to play uh, World of Warcraft a lot and I did, uh, battlegrounds like it's their mm -hmm. you know capture the flag there's like various objective based pvp matches that you do and uh you have a scoreboard in there that has like nine different metrics on it and only one of those metrics actually relates to the objective of the game right so like you may have a 
like if you're playing capture the flag, you'll have a column that's like flag captures. And then there's like damage done, kills, deaths, healing done, all this shit, right? And so what you end up with is basically most people want to be at the top of some scoreboard. Some piece of it. But in a capture the flag map, almost nobody can be at the top of the flags captured scoreboard because there's only a couple of flags you can capture, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so instead, people compete to get the most kills, most damage, or most healing. Mm. And all of those things revolve around basically people getting together into a clump, standing and standing in the middle of the battlefield and just trying to kill as many people as possible <laughs> for absolutely no reason. And so you'll see so many times where hmm. somebody will grab a flag and they'll run through. Those people will start to attack the flag carrier, realize that that person's getting healed and is kind of hard to kill and just let them run by because they're <laughs> right. not going to be able to get any kills from it. <laughs> so, uh, or in the Arathi Basin, which is like a King of the Hill map, there's five places in the map that are important. Everywhere else in the map is just like a, a road that goes between the important places, right? There's a certain type of player that everybody calls a road warrior because <laughs> they don't give a shit about the flags. They'll just fight anybody, they just, anywhere. They just, run, they just run down the roads, and as soon as they see a person, they're just like, let's fight, right? It doesn't matter whether <laughs> they're actually competing for an objective. Um, and I have to wonder... If they just removed those metrics from the scoreboard, yeah, how that would affect the completely because it's also the case that people then use those metrics to attack each other through chat. Yes, right, so somebody somebody will be standing at a flag defending, and just by chance that flag hasn't gotten attacked, right? And if that person left, chances are somebody would sneak in and steal it, mm-hmm. right? So that person's basically just been standing there diligently defending the objective right. and has zero damage done on the scoreboard. You don't right? get any points for being a good right. guard. And so that person's standing there and they're just, they're being a good team player mm-hmm. and they'll jump in a chat and they'll be like, Hey guys, there's somebody going after the lumber mill. Somebody should probably get over there. And then somebody else will jump in and be like, shut the fuck up, Mr. Zero damage. Right. <laughs> like you haven't done anything the whole match. And so, uh, so people just use this to kind of attack and bully yep. each other. Yeah. Well, I think it's also because people just assume that whatever information they're given is the important information. Yes. Yes. Well, you know? I don't even know if it's a, you assume it's that you, it's just a way to lord is, over other people, yeah. you know, it's the way to separate. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, it is right. But, but people don't actually take a second to think what's the, what does this do? Right. What, what is the purpose of, of that number related to my objective? Because yeah. if you just give somebody any number, no matter what it is, they will compete on it. Yep. Right. Without ever stepping back and thinking, should I, you know? Yeah. I mean, salary expectations are a good, yep. good point of this. Too. Why, why do some CEOs make $450 million a year? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's a scoreboard. Yeah, because <laughs> other CEOs do. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's information cascade. Yes. Yeah, as, as soon as you as soon as you attach a number to something, people will compete on that number. Mm-hmm. It's just and against their best interest too. Yep. Yep. And then they all get mad. Then they attack each other. Then they lose. And then they're sad. And then they mm-hmm. go home. Welcome to online game <laughs> and life and life yep. in general. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so next question comes from Imcade. Will you ever do a small YouTube video of the studio and a sort of meet the team video? Ooh. So kind of like an MTV Cribs. Oh yeah, of, of the basement. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be fun. I think people Scotch Cribs. I mean, like it's small. It's not. It's going to mostly be in, like very brief interviews with each of us saying what we do or something. Gotcha. Yeah, because yeah. the space itself, you can see the whole thing in Two seconds. Yeah. You walk down the stairs. You walk down the stairs. You turn your head one direction. You turn your head the other direction. You've seen. You've seen it mm-hmm. all. Yeah. So. yeah, we have talked about doing exactly that. We we made something similar for one of the things that we're doing that we're still aren't allowed to talk about, but we're getting really close supposedly to being mm-hmm. able to talk about it. But we'll see who knows. Yeah, 
so we did something similar for that. And then while we were doing it, we're like, maybe we should just make a, you know, make a general one of right. these. But, um, like, cause I don't know why we didn't, uh, I think only because we have to, it's going to cost us money to put it together. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's the kind of thing that we would put that together and then we would probably put that on our YouTube channel as kind of like mm-hmm. the channel intro video right. thing, probably. Um, I think probably next time, I mean, the, the reality is that the the importance of something like that is largely due to whatever that we're working on at the time. So like next time, we, for example, we go into a hiring phase or something, that would be the time to put something like that together, right? Because yeah. that's what- But also as we spin up uh, marketing for the next game, Mm-hmm. Um, because that that's going to be now more eyeballs of people trying to figure out because at that point there's less info about the game out because it's not out and so people are just trying to get more information about stuff then the more we provide the better right um, so so yeah maybe we should get on that we probably should okay alright next question comes from <laughs> Degeki who says what limitations do you place on yourselves in your personal lives the company and your craft limitations Ooh. so like what are so we, so we have the can we not philosophy that's not a limitation that's a well it's whatever the opposite of a limitation well it's it's the idea that with anything you're gonna do you should always be like what if we didn't do this thing what would the consequence of that be right so basically just like apply a cost benefit question to everything right a little bit yeah and then don't do it if it's not gonna be good that's what can we not so i guess limitations i think like maybe maybe just the wrong word well no i'll take i'll take it for what it is i think so i think the interesting thing about it is that if you're like most people which again we are most of the time. Um, sometimes we just, we're aliens. Sometimes we just, <laughs> sometimes we just think about things a little more than most people do. Um, but I think when it comes to this idea of limitations, the biggest problem is that you don't, you like, if you know that you are limiting yourself in some way, then quit it. Then quit it. So like the thing is most of your limitations, you don't actually know until you, until they hit something weird. So, so I actually found this this weekend. So it's a really good, really good timing for this because my, so my wife left for vacation for like 10 days. And once you've sort of built a life with someone and your habits are kind of like wrapped up in them being around a lot of ways. And you decompose. Exactly. <laughs> things kind of shamble around. So, <laughs> so on Friday night, first night of her guns, it always happens to play video games until like one in the morning. Right. Mm-hmm. It just happens every time. <laughs> and then I wake up in the morning. Not in like a celebratory way. But no, it's like just a, like, I'm out of control. I, I have lost all sense of self. <laughs> it's so Saturday, I wake up and I was like, okay, I need to get my shit together. And so, but I was like, I'm pretty sure I can't be in the house. Like I can work very effectively from a cafe. Right. Well, that's why you were doing that. Cause it, it, yep. it Saturday I was like, Hey, you want to like do uh, the, the talk jam or whatever? And you're like, no, I need to get out of the house. I need to go to a cafe <laughs> and just think about my life. I'm like, okay. I oh guess. yeah. You were like, that's really deep. Are you okay? I was yeah. like, I'm fine. Yeah, just, okay. <laughs> but so what I realized though, is as I was, as I was sitting in this cafe, you know, cause I was writing about stuff. I was like, what am I going to do this week? You know? Cause usually my like default off time is just hanging out. And that's not really available. So like, what am I going to do? So I made a list of like all of the things that I'd be interested in doing. Came up to like a 10, 10 little sort of fun hobby things from uh, things that probably I guess other people wouldn't consider a hobby, but reading up and doing uh, YouTube videos on email marketing to uh, learning some Chinese or practicing singing and stuff like that. Make this big list. And then I was like, you know, these have all technically been on my list for a long time. So what is it? Because I, I oftentimes feel like I want more time to be able to do these things during any given week. And now suddenly I have all this time, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm not necessarily voraciously diving in. In fact, I'm a little bit like timid. Nah. timid. <laughs> so what's happening here? And so I did, I basically just journaled in a cafe for like an hour. Trying to talk your way through well, why. Well, so I, I realized what happened. This is, this is going to this idea of the limitations and how you don't, uh, you usually don't know them until something changes to expose them. Because I realized that I'd been using essentially my default sort of hangout time, even just with my wife, 
as a way to sort of excuse myself for not pursuing a lot of these things that I actually do want to pursue because in reality, I'm actually a little scared of mm-hmm. the fact that for the first bit of doing any of these things, you're just absolutely terrible. We've talked about this a ton of times, right? And I have enough stuff now that I'm really good at. That it's way easier to just do those things. It's way things. easier to do those things, whether it's reading, <laughs> writing, whatever else. And so as a result, I'll, I'll point to something like, oh, well, you know, I, I had like a date night yesterday, so I didn't mm-hmm. did do this. But I don't actually actively plan to do any of those things ever. Which is, so I mean, even if you didn't have a date night, you I still wouldn't have done it. Still still wouldn't, wouldn't, yeah, and that's, do why, it. that's what I realized. And I was like, oh, shit. So as far as a limitation goes... Um, that, you know, that there's one right there as far as, but I think that that's the interesting thing is you can't, it's hard to know what limited, what limits yourself imposing until they get exposed because something well, this, shifts. So this also, I think also about, I, before we continue on about the limitations thing, mm-hmm. I think that point is really important, which is we talk constantly about like Netflix is bad, you know, et cetera. Right. Uh, and, and what you're talking about here is that it's a little more nuance than that right which is netflix is just a go-to excuse to not do the things that you supposedly want to do because they're scary because they're scary but there are things that we also see as good like socializing with your spouse Mm -hmm. that we actually are also using as an excuse to not doing what we're doing right so it's a a little more nuanced than just like netflix is bad don't do that and everything is fine right it's It's, just a convenient habit yeah it's it's recognize why you're doing the things you're Mm -hmm. doing and and when you're actually doing them for sort of unexpected reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I have a reading list. I have a reading list and a games to play list. You made it an air table, right? Well, it was originally <laughs> just in my to doist, yeah. which is just that, at that point it's just a checklist of like book titles. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so you basically then it's either read or it's not. Those are the, those are the two states. Right. So like while I start reading it, like, what am I, do I check it? Do I not check it? I, I don't know. Because again, this is like the large problem versus task yep, thing. If the right. if the problem is like learn calculus, is that a thing? Can I just check that check off? The off the list. <laughs> like, when the fuck do I check that box? Uh, so so I moved everything over to Airtable, and I added a bunch of columns into my books to read database. So things like estimated time to complete that book from start to finish, the price of the book, the review score of that book on Amazon or whatever. Um, and then I can try to prioritize things and also categorize, uh, my reason for, mm. for reading that book. So mm-hmm. one might be entertainment. Maybe it's, maybe it's a fiction book that somebody recommended, uh, or maybe it's an educational thing. Like I want to learn calculus or, you know, learn something. So, uh, so I have all these books on my list and based on my hourly estimates, these books have been on my list for like probably three, at least three years. Okay. Right. And the total estimated time to get through all these books is like 83 hours. Maybe. So it's maybe like three months of hardcore reading on the weekends. Not, not even, not even. Right. I mean, and so I'm looking at this and I'm like, so for, for years now, <laughs> I've just been like a, like a few weekends away from knowing all this stuff and mm-hmm. being able to do all this stuff and understanding all these things. And I just didn't, <laughs> I, I just didn't do right. it. <laughs> so, so what's that about? Um, yeah, it's just, it's so easy to get caught up in, in all kinds of other things. Uh, mm-hmm. other hobbies or habits or, you know, weird mental states, yeah. weird hangups about starting new things, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that's the bothersome thing about, and that it's a, I've gotten some comments from people about reading these, uh, either productivity books or self-help books or whatever else where some people are like, why are you, you know, lots, there's some people who have like a sort of categorical problem with diving into those things. And the reason that, that I do it personally is because any one of those books might help unearth one of these interesting, weird limitations that you just can't you can't see it you just can't like that's part of the 
usually if you can see a limitation that you know exists, um, then you're and not and you're not like I guess doing anything about it. Then I feel like it falls into a completely different category of thing. But there, there like is a, a there's kind of a weird sort of a balance to be struck where if you read like 30 productivity books um, and the whole time you're thinking about productivity and like you have all these ideas and philosophies about productivity, but then because you're spending so much time thinking about productivity, then there's something that if you just put five hours into it, oh yeah, yeah. you'd be really good at yeah. it and you'd be fine, but it's way easier to read a productivity book. Exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah. So this thing is like you have to recognize again, when you're doing something like that, which is using something you're comfortable with, say reading, Mm-hmm. to escape from the thing that you're uncomfortable with. And so a lot of people do do this with regards to when they're researching before they embark on something that is actually scary is they'll just over research. Mm-hmm. Well, we like, talking about this a while ago too, right? Mm-hmm. That, that question of when you're trying to learn a new thing, how do you do it? And so at, at that time, I, I basically said what I would do is I give myself a limit on the number of books I'm going to mm-hmm. read. So there's a good limitation. Yep. Yeah. So that you, I basically just say, like, I know my tendency will be just to keep on trying to consume information instead of actually going out and trying to fight the hard battle of, mm-hmm. of doing it and learning it that way. Uh, and so it's safe to recognize those things and then set up systems to, to act against them. Yeah, because you can't solve a problem just by thinking about it. Or reading about it. Or reading about it. You also got to do, do stuff. All right, next question comes from Giant Muskrat, which I like this question. I have no idea where this is going to go, but... I would got. What is your least favorite way to deal with stress? <laughs> least. Favorite. <laughs> oh. Interesting. Hmm. Well, guys, here's the question: what What are the ways in which you've dealt with stress that have just compounded the stress? Oh man, most ways. Most ways. Because <laughs> here's the thing about stress: is it it makes you make bad decisions, right? So mm-hmm. if you are stressed out, I've I've had times where like I've had. Uh, sort of a laundry list of odd jobs to take care of errands, you know, maybe got to go to the bank, maybe got to like call an insurance agent to talk about shit. Uh, usually this sort of this involves like dealing with other people or bureaucracies and mm-hmm. stuff. I've got this big list of things and I may have like an afternoon to, to do these and I'll have these things just bouncing around in my head of like nine different things I'm supposed to be doing. And I just sit there and I'm like, Oh, so, so many things. I'm so tired. And then I just take a nap. <laughs> and then, that before and then the next day, still I've got still all got things. all those yep. things, right? Yeah, those stress naps. Whew. Yeah. So like basically the worst way to deal with anything that's a stressor is avoid. to avoid it, yeah. which is doing illiterate anything other than just I, I directly dealing with it. I have an even worse it. one. What's that? Which is, although it's often a consequence of not dealing with it, which is lashing out at people. Mm. Yeah. And basically having your stress cause stress splash damage on other people. But really lashing out at people in response to stress on yourself is a defense mechanism because what you're then doing is you're creating a distraction for yourself, right? You're, well, but it's, it's not a defense mechanism. It's an offense mechanism. Vent. Well, no, it, it is a know, defense mechanism though. It can be both. Because you don't want to deal with the thing <laughs> that's actually bothering you. Yeah. yeah. And so, so you make you it bother is, other people. You create yeah. a, you, no, you create a more urgent problem that you can deal with, which is getting into a screaming match with somebody about something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now all of a sudden, that's the most important thing going on right now. Yeah, is no, the fact we, that you pissed this person which is, off. Which right? is all true, but then it, it it sort of it just forgets that there's another person involved mm-hmm. in that thing. Yeah, which is why I would say it's not it's not defensive at all. It's a horrible offensive thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, to do even though you're doing it. Per, if only you existed in the universe. Yeah, that would be a another strategy. terrible way to deal with stress. <laughs> is is to complain. Yes. Which is on, it's like the other side of the lashing out coin. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I got, cause some people get confused between, I think confused between what it is to complain and what it is to 
essentially talk through a thing with someone. It's all about your, right. your, it's about your it's intended intent. end result. Right. Yeah. To complain is to simply talk about a problem and then to have talked about it. Just, just to have talked about it with absolutely no intention of doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. And this kind of thing just drives me crazy. Um, if you're going to just, if you're going to, if you're going to problem solve, then that's you just having a conversation and then to, in order to gather information and get a better understanding and then go and do something. Yeah, like right. a, that's an interesting thing about the the stress. So then psychology called stress carryover, which is actually a huge problem like generally in the workforce because most people have jobs that they get sort of shat on in various ways during their work day. And the idea is like that's Especially not- Especially in like daycare centers and stuff. Yeah, I mean, literally in those mm-hmm. sense, zoos, that sort of thing. Yep. And then you come home and- <laughs> I'm trying to carry this metaphor. <laughs> and, and then your, shit spou- and your spouse shits on you too. Well, then- <laughs> don't, what it does is it, it's sort of, it's sort of like the straw that breaks a camel back situation, right? Where No, it's that if you get shit on all day, you come home, you, you sit on the couch. Now the couch is exactly shit what I mean. on yeah. it. There's like the shit you, just gets all you over. You try to do dishes, but you're covered in shit. Yeah. Now the dishes, good, everything's yeah. covered in shit. Yeah, so so it's sort of like this, you know, this stain that kind of falls yeah. the other way. But, but, <laughs> yeah, but I think... Uh, Another another interesting point about uh, about you know like really terrible ways to try to deal with your stress, um, and this is it's sort of counterintuitive because normally I I'm all about going to the gym when you're stressed out, but if you're angry and you go lift, you get really good PRs. Probably, you'll have a great you'll have a great day, and then the next two days will be probably the most horrible days of your life. <laughs> I've done this twice where I was like I just need to go burn off some rage, you know, mm-hmm. and then went and did that, and then was just like laid up for three days afterwards. So normally I would say exercise is great. You know, it takes your mind off. So stuff, maybe do some, do some anger cardio, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do a rage it's run. Probably, it's probably a little safer, but it is hard to rage run, you know, like than it is to just lift a heavy thing. I think. Cause there's something mm-hmm. about like the grunting and screaming involved with <laughs> lifting heavy objects. That, yeah. I thought you could just scream and grunt as you run, I guess <laughs> probably. Every, every step is a, well. Just do sprints, right? Do do sprints with intervals and just scream while yeah, you're screaming. Yeah, screaming though is essential to the I process. Like it's a good one. Yeah. So, <laughs> so scream sprints are a great way, which isn't yeah. the answer to the question. Yeah. But. Yeah. So I think I think in summary, every way to deal with stress is bad, except for just taking Actually care of the with fucking it. problem. <laughs> right. Yeah, you should just ask yourself: Is what I'm doing going to help me take care of this problem? No, then this is the worst yeah. possible thing I could be doing. Because sometimes it's true that you're like, I just need to go for, I need to go like for a walk. Yeah, you know? I need to go for a walk and that way I'll clear my head. I can think straight and I'll be able to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, if you're like, I need to go for a walk because I'm trying to physically distance myself as far as possible from the source of this problem that's in my house, then that's probably not the probably right not solution. The way to do it. Yeah, I was thinking about how dogs are great, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, except for the pooping. Yeah, but the poop. But everybody, everybody poops, you know, so sure. it's but kind it's, of a neutral. But it's also not great that everybody poops. It's, <laughs> if, we I mean, all, if we could all just not. Can yeah. we not? Can we not poop? <laughs> you don't get to excuse one thing by just everybody else also doing it. Yeah. Everybody else is doing it, so it must be fine. Um, and I was thinking about how, so like I, I may be like in the middle playing a game or something and Coco, my dog, will come in and she'll. She's she'll like, I got to poop right now. Or yeah, she'll, she'll just be like. She'll just come in and she'll look at me expectantly and just be wagging her tail. And I'm like, I know what she wants. She wants to go for a walk, mm-hmm. right? Because she has very clear body language about this. Mm-hmm. This is clearly the thing she wants. I was thinking, imagine if dogs behaved like people where the dog, instead of coming in and just being like, let's fucking go for a walk. This is going to be awesome, right? If instead your dog just laid there in its bed and just sort of begrudgingly started resenting you for not just sort of intuitively knowing that it wanted to go for a walk. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then when you went to take it for a walk, your dog was like, no, nah, never mind. Like, 
I don't even feel like it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're, they have like dogs have no concept of, they certainly don't have resentment. They don't have resentment and they just, they're very, they wear their emotions on their sleeve, right? Mm -hmm. They're completely honest creatures. And as a result, they're just happy all the time. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's a good way to be. You got to be like a dog Mm -hmm. when it comes to dealing with stress. That's what I think. All right. Just freak out and rip up the pillows. Just rip up those pillows. She wants some bones. And then, of course, you got this new pillow problem to deal with. But mm-hmm. uh, All right. So next question or last question uh, comes from Anonymous. <gasps> this is spooky. Okay. So, how can I convince my brother to quit his job so we can start the second greatest indie game dev company founded by brothers? Ooh. <laughs> well, he didn't say that we were the first best, though. Because <laughs> no. we, we know a lot of studios founded by brothers, actually. It's actually weirdly common. Yeah. Yeah. So, what? so what, what was he talking about us? I don't know. Probably yeah. not. Probably not. There's a, there's love you to bits guys later. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're great. I think we're probably like twelfth. No, I think we're I think we're probably in like the thirties, like thirty two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we got a ways to go. Um, how do you how do you do it? Get your brother to go to a game jam because yep. that's what I did. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Worked out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then if he's, if he's real stubborn, then you take like a year and a half and build some games and just be like, Hey, I'm pretty sure this is going to work. And he'll be like, yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta lead the charge. (laughs) You know, you gotta, you gotta, you can't start at zero. You have to have something that your brother can, can look at and latch onto. And and you have to empathize. You have to say, what do you want to do with your life? And then he's Mm -hmm. like, you know, I want to be a scientist. And we're like, a scientist of games. And you'd be like, yeah, but, yeah, but <laughs> science is dumb. Yeah. Well, no, you know? no, that's not empathizing. That's <laughs> telling him it's right. You got to empathize and then you, mm-hmm. and then you lead him, lead him back to your camp. Yeah. You it's know? basically mm-hmm. just, it's all about sort of like psychological and emotional manipulation. Yeah. hundred you know? <laughs> percent. <laughs> okay. Also your, your third talk is called snake oil. Oh shit. Yeah. It's that's called, hilarious. It's the one about marketing. It's because it's, <laughs> yeah. So the idea is, it's, so the talk is called snake oil. Marketing your indie game. And so the idea is that like snake oil, we sell a thing that nobody needs, <laughs> solves no one's problems, and that there are thousands, thousands of, competitors. of competitors that offer every day the same benefit quote unquote, yeah. every single day. <laughs> so it's very similar. <laughs> so what does it mean? What does it mean so, for us? But again, it's not, that, it's not that we aren't meeting a need. It's that it's sort of higher up on Maslow's yeah, hierarchy. Yeah, it's not a... <laughs> <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's not a... Yeah, it's not a... It's in the self-actualization area. Go, yeah. We're like, you... like yeah. We're not giving you food. We're not giving you shelter. We're not, not keeping you from you. dying. Yeah. You know? We're not giving you medicine. We're not doing but we are providing you with interesting challenges and a good time. Mm-hmm. So we got, mm-hmm. we got that going. Yeah. But the thing is... <laughs> You know, there's thousands of other people doing the exact same thing every day. So like a thousand games coming out on mobile a day. Now Steam, there's, I don't know, probably six and everybody's shitting their pants about it, you know. (laughs) No, I think the last couple of weeks, it's been in the 20s every day. 20s a day? 20 or 30. Which is adorable. That's cute. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look at those little 20 games. Um, We were born in the darkness. Yeah. So that's Sam's third talk. There you go. Good. But I think, so the reason I, the reason that popped into my head is, you know, the idea of talking about convincing somebody to join you in starting a game studio is weird because of this reason. Yeah, because there's no good reason to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so it has to be, I mean, it has to be something that, that you're all either passionate about the game side, 
mm-hmm. or that you're passionate about um, a lot of other things that get wrapped up into yeah, the making project. a game. Yeah, if, I, if I didn't like business or I didn't like programming, this would have been a bad it would, would have been move. a bad move. Yeah. If you were like, listen, I'm really into dissecting rat colons. Yeah. Can we do that like, as part of butterscotch? <laughs> right. We'd be like, probably, probably not. Can't figure that out. <laughs> not quite sure how to work that in. And again, to I, our pr- I prefer mouse colons. We've been over this. Oh, right. Mouse colon. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> rat, <laughs> rat colons are too big. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, but, but there's another question here, which is not being asked, which is also, should you? Should you? You know? Which uh-huh. is, I guess, what says talk is going to be all about. So. Uh, you can go to GDC and then you'll find out. <laughs> well, no, my talk is, is you've probably already made that decision. So here's all the ways that you're probably going to screw that up mm-hmm. and then don't do those things. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a hard thing to do. Uh, we can't weigh in on whether you should or should not do it. But you should. Though. But if you were to do it, use a lot of emotional manipulation to do so. That's what it is. Yeah. hundred percent. Totally. Just go full Machiavellian prince on that guy. You know? Yep. Pull him off the side. <laughs> Or, or maybe Manchurian Candidate. There's Manchurian that book. Candidate. There's that yeah. book of Genghis uh, Khan. So there's a book. <laughs> like, there's all kinds of moves you can make here. <laughs> there's a book called Influence: The Psychology of Persuasion. There's Just get right into that. Forty Eight yeah. Laws of Power. That's a good one. Yep. Exert those. One. Exert dominance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> look, look straight in the eyes. Square up. Yeah. There's there's books on like chimpanzee behavior. Yep. Speak like, really low. Comes down yeah. to body language. Yeah. Uh, that's really important. Yeah. Um, and if you know, if it really comes down to it, you could probably get into some kind of seedy underbelly mm-hmm. of of like black markets and mm-hmm. and various sort of financial uh, manipulation. There's all kinds of horrible things you can oh, do. Yeah, to get you, I'm sure that like I mean, there are love potions. There's probably also like join me in a business venture potions, business yeah, so. potions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Try to get one of those. Just talk to a wizard and get a business potion. Yeah, I would love a business potion. <laughs> <laughs> The problem is it only makes you want to do business. It doesn't make you good at business. Yeah. So it's kind of, of a, hey man, you got to have one before the other, you know? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. It's deep. Thanks. It's deep. actually better to have the one where you want to do business yep. probably. Yeah. Eventually, hopefully you get good at it after mm-hmm. doing it for a long time. So, all right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our studio wrangler, Modique, for putting this episode together. Our producer, Fat Bard, for making us sound good. And the Scotch dev team, Andy, Tifa, and Sure, for continuing to build stuff while we're in here doing this podcast. We'd also like to thank our community moderators who keep our Discord and forums running. And, of course, we'd like to thank our listeners for coming back every week to listen to us do this thing. Or whichever weeks you come. Yeah. Listen, I don't know if it's every week or, you know, just like. It's every week. Better be. That'd be, be ideal. It better be. Also, if you'd like, <laughs> if you want to get more involved in the Bscotch community, you can hop into our Discord server, which is at bit.ly slash bsdiscord. Come say hi. Uh, also, this week, this past week, some of our listeners found a flower. Actually, it was giant muskrat. Mm-hmm. Found a flower and posted it in there so we could send it over to the druid dad oh. for identification. Mm. Got to do that. But it's not a, it's not an Iowan flower though, so I don't know if it might be outside of his knowledge. I'm but sure he did he, he did know. he did send exact uh, GPS coordinates for the location oh, that he found the flower. <laughs> yeah. So we have a Google map. We have a Google map pin. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll upload exact, it. So we know the exact elevation and region and climate and everything. We were actually, yeah, so. we were, for a while we were talking about making a, just a web app just, just for us to use that would just, we could post pictures to our dad on. That yeah. Just say, dad, what is this? Dad, what is this? And then, <laughs> and then he would, he would post what it is. And that way we'd have a database that we could all access. Yep. Because right now we also have this sort of fragmentation of knowledge. Because like I know about the things that I've asked him about. Sam knows what he's, it's you know, et cetera. That's true. It's so a problem. It's a problem. We got this knowledge fragmentation. And I mean, we we can't use Wikipedia. No, nope. that nope. would be crazy. So we got to just do this. Can't instead. use reverse image searches. Nah, nope. You know? We just got you. Just got to ask ask the Druid Dad. Oh, it is true though, because there's not enough. 
information just in the image. Yeah. To actually be able to look it up without knowing exactly what is in that image. Yep. And our robots are too dumb right now. For now. Give them six months. Yeah. All right. And also, one final thing. We don't advertise this show. Uh, so if you'd like to help us spread this show, then uh, tell everybody you know about it. But most importantly, tweet at famous people. Yep. Get them to listen to, <laughs> get them to, listen to this show. As someone tweeted at uh, Kim Kardashian. Nice work. Nice week. It's good. Yep. We've got some Justin Bieber tweets in there. I think mm-hmm. Oprah and uh, uh, what's her name? The hilarious comedian. Ellen. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, kept yeah. Thinking, I, kept thinking, <laughs> I kept thinking, you Ellie, know, that, that comedian lady. That, that one hilarious one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and consider maybe this week also like targeting some people in the same like in the games industry, you know, just mm. to, just to see if that might might be a little more effective. Maybe, honestly. but it's hard to say. You know, we don't we don't have enough data. Yep, we don't have enough famous people following to sort of do a poll. Mm-hmm. So we need at least thirty. Yeah, and then we can start doing statistical analysis yeah. of our famous people followers. Currently, the only one we have is Dead Mouse, who is a follower of ours yeah. now. So it was, it was a sleeper pick. That was sleeper. a good, that was a good catch. <laughs> catch. Uh, also, we do have a mailbox at mailbox.bscotch.net, uh, which, so if you want to send us anything, feel free. We've gotten a five pound gummy bear before, which was pretty great. We also got a false notice yeah, last, last week. Last week, these, they sent these us people. <laughs> we get an email because we, we have it hooked up to our email. So whenever we get a, we get something, we get a package, we get an email. It's like, Hey, come, uh, come check your mailbox. We got all our package for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They record that voice. They put it in there. <laughs> So Monique's like, yes, should I go get it? We're like, no, just go tomorrow. She was very excited. She wanted to just. Monique loves opening packages. She like just Christmas. wanted She just wanted to roar down the street mm-hmm. and, and go get this package. We made her wait. She got it the next day. <laughs> so she was just so much anticipation. There was, it just, the anticipation was building. She goes there. She opened, there's nothing in there. She goes and asks, she's like, hey, we got an email about this package. And they said, yeah, we accidentally emailed everyone. <laughs> and we told everyone that they have packages, even if they don't. And, and she then was like, didn't follow yeah. that up. She's like, but you then didn't email everyone again to tell them, never mind. And they're like, yeah, we figured, you know, they'd figure it out. <laughs> so I was like, what? Um, but point being, if you send us a package, we will know. And, and we, we will go get it. We will go get it. And if you don't, we'll also think you did. <laughs> we'll also think you did. It's breaking our heart. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.